if you're like me, you want to get your business ahead, but there's certain skills you need, but you just don't have. If this sounds like you, then you need to head over to Fiverr. They have a whole array of professionals that can help you in different areas from design to writing, marketing, and more. They have you covered. I seriously can't tell you how much Fiverr.com has helped me along with this podcast. Um, I've used them so much for this podcast. It's been unreal. They make my flyers. They go ahead and um, I hire this guy to help me upload the each episode and in the beginning in order for me to be all over the place it was I was totally going to Fiverr it was I seriously just it's I've gotten so much for my business through them so please use my link which you can find in the description of this episode or you can go to marcellaalonzo.com and book there through Fiverr today you'll be glad you did gosh Hello and welcome to Get Schooled. Today, my guest is Miss Galaxy. Thank you so much for coming on. I'm so excited because I uh, I saw your Instagram page and you are so talented. Please introduce yourself and tell my audience who you are. Okay. Hi, everyone. My name is Miss Galaxy. Uh, I'm a feature entertainer. Uh, I've been in the industry for about three years now. Uh, I'm a professional stilt walker, aerialist, fire eater, um, and I'm a hula hoop artist as well. Wow. So, so you are a professional stilt because I got ex- I, that, that adorable outfit where you were the scarecrow and <laughs> the stilts. Yeah. It, oh, I love it. I love it. So when did you gain all these skills, the fire eating, the stilts and yeah, so uh, I actually started when I was about 16. Uh, I started hula hooping, and then I slowly started getting into aerials. I worked at this studio where it was like a ninja fitness. You ever seen like American Ninja Warrior? Mm-hmm. It was a studio that was like that, but they also taught aerials. And I was working one day, and I saw a girl do this amazing drop. And I was like, what is that? I want to do this. And she was like, it's aerial arts. Like, you should try it. And so I did that. The rest is history. And as I kept training, I ended up going to circus school in Philadelphia. And when I was in circus school, I learned like, you know, juggling arts, stilt walking, um, more heavy on the fire training. And that's how uh, I learned all these skills. Yeah. <laughs> wow. And the fire train, anybody in your family say anything about that? Oh, they're terrified. Um, I remember at Thanksgiving, I showed my family a little show, a little sneak peek of like what I do, and they thought I was going to kill myself. So they're not too fond of it, but they are very supportive. So, Oh, okay. No, because I can just, just the fire, I can hear my family in the background, like <laughs> the same stuff. And so I can imagine, wow. So you, you went to, how was going to circus school? It's definitely very different. The structure was, well, the circus school I went to, uh, the structure was pretty close to college. So for me, like in the mornings, we, I would have to be there at 7 a.m. Monday through Friday, all the way to 5 p.m. And we would get there early in the morning, do a two-hour warm-up. And then after that, um, we would go into our specific disciplines. And so uh, like for me, I would work on aerials because that was more of my main discipline and then later on into my uh curriculum I went into hula hoop we also had regular classes as well like um we had a class on like circus history uh a class on different like uh learning about where acrobatics came from where juggling came from it was really cool we even had tests it was cool but um yeah it was very similar to college what what type of people go to circus I'm just curious is it circus Olay people or so we do have a, a lot of talented people who come through the door, especially some people come in the door to do workshops for us. But uh-huh. people who go to a circus school are people who typically have a really solid uh, foundation in like the circus arts. Like you are pretty strong, like you can do inverts, you can like juggle pretty decently. But people who go to circus school are trying to level up their skills and become more professionals in their skills and their skill set. So their goals are like working in Vegas or. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Okay. Wow. That's amazing. And so with the acrobatic training, that's like really good for your body. Yeah. It teaches you a lot of body awareness. 
Um, even if you like, so for me, when I went to circus school, I had very basic acrobatics, but after leaving, I felt like they teach you a lot of those foundational moves that will, uh, eventually get you to like, you know, back tucks and like, you know, handsprings, you know, all that stuff. So it was really cool. We had a really great gym teacher. Wow. And then the stilts now that you started before the circus school, correct? I did. Yes. And what brought you to doing stilts? So where I'm from, we have something called Mardi Gras. You know, oh, yes, like, yes. Yeah, so it's like a really big uh, parade thing. And uh-huh. at Mardi Gras, we have a lot of stilt walkers. And I remember seeing my very first stilt walker. And I was like, oh, how do I want to get into doing that? I want to do that. And my friend started me off on these painter stilts, you know, that what people wear to like. Right. I started off on those. And believe it or not, those are really hard to walk in. And eventually I got into peg stilts where it's literally like these pegs are like about this big and you balance on two of them about three or four feet in the air. Um, And yeah, like I just got on them and I was really good at it. I can't speak for everyone, but I I guess I have a natural talent for it. Wow. That's, (laughs) I'm so amazed by that. I'm just like, wow. Cause that's a lot of, now what brought you over to feature dancing? Because you know how things can be taboo in the adult entertainment business. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, uh, so it's weird. So one day I, I was a bartender Mm -hmm. while I was doing all this one day, I just up and quit and I was like, I'm just gonna be a dancer. Mm-hmm. And so I like started dancing, uh, was a house dancer for about maybe a year. Mm-hmm. And then I did my very first competition, which was like at Michael's, which was the stripper Olympics. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, I was house dancing at Michael's and they were like, you should do this competition. Where, and- where's Michael's? Where's Michael's? So Michael's men's club is in Lafayette, Louisiana. It's about an hour away from Baton Rouge. Okay. And it's like a really big um, feature competition. And that is where I met the feature named Charzane. Uh-huh. Uh, Charzane was the first feature I saw that I was just amazed by. She had, like, she was insane. And that was the person who made me be like, okay, I, what's featuring? I want to try that. That's really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and I started talking to a few people, started getting mentored by a few people. And then I landed my first booking. So it was really cool. Wow. And you already had all these skills. So you're like... <laughs> Yeah, like it it was pretty easy. Like once I kind of figured out like what featuring is as a whole, I just kind of uh, came up with an idea that was pretty unique. And I was like, okay, I'm going to turn this into a feature show. And that's what I did. Wow. Wow. Now, um, when you did dance, did you uh, was how was it the process going to strip clubs as an African-American woman? Because this is the problem that um, I have to explain to certain people when the strip club, because nobody really talks about how hard it is to get hired as an African-American. And I experienced a lot of racism early on. Um, How was that process early on when you first started dancing? So uh, it was definitely pretty hard. Um, Luckily, the first club I auditioned at, I got hired on. So I didn't Mm -hmm. realize how big of uh, the ramifications was for that. Right. And it wasn't until, so one, one of my best friends, she's a white girl. Uh, Mm -hmm. We travel dance often and it wasn't until we started travel dancing that we kind of really saw what it was. And uh, she's a blonde hair, beautiful girl. And uh, we would go into strip clubs together or sometimes we would actually go separate. Mm -hmm. And so she would go first and they would, she'd be like, Oh, are you guys hiring? And she's like, they'd be like, yes, of course. Yeah. Go ahead. Fill out paperwork. They'll take her upstairs. She'll text me. She's like, hey, I'm upstairs. You can come in now. Because sometimes some clubs, like especially in America, if you go in together, they won't hire you, which is weird. Yeah. And so I went in after and I said, hey, are you guys hiring? And they're like, no. <laughs> so it, it's kind of frustrating because I guess like they kind of see me for face value instead of like my talents or how good I am on the pole or how well I sell rooms and stuff instead of they're seeing me at face value. Um, and that happens pretty often. Uh, not at every club. Um but I guess like, especially in America, when it comes to like the race issue, uh, a lot of clubs try to use the excuse that, oh, like not a lot of our patrons like black girls or anything like that, which is which something that I learned is not true. I feel like there's a something for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But uh, I don't know. It's It's been a really weird subject, like especially like when I try to talk to people about it, like mm-hmm. uh, that 
not every club is like this, but there are definitely a lot of clubs out there that is, I know some clubs that you say they will hire black girls, but they can only work the day shift and they can't work night shifts, which has happened to me before. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a little strange. No, but- that, that the very first, one of the first clubs I worked at, I could only work like the mid shift and they were, I remember them telling, Oh, but you're heavy. And I was 124 pounds, um, five foot three. This is a long time ago. And all the other girl, it was like, well, the black and brown and me and another Mex. it was a Mexican girl, um, that we worked the mid chef. And I forgot how much I forgot, like she wasn't, you know, we were about the same size. We were smaller, but then in the evening and I would question, there would be like a white girl that's like double my size. And I'm like, wait a minute, I'm being told I'm heavy, but why is she allowed to work? Mm-hmm. And they would never give me a straight answer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. I, and then I, I realized um, early on about the racism because of course, you know, they put you, they put certain black and brown females um, depending on the area. I started off in Tampa um, Florida. But then when I remember when I went down to Miami, it was way more open in Miami because mm-hmm. yeah. predominantly Hispanic um, and they're open-minded, but it's just, how does this play when you are now getting booked as a feature? Do you notice a difference with that? 100%. Uh, especially when I was first starting uh, featuring, um, speaking to agents, uh, certain agents wouldn't even give me the time of day. Uh, and and, and, I, and I don't think it was more of an ill thing. It was more like, I feel like they know that it's hard to book a Black girl. Mm-hmm. Um, and even trying to speak to certain like uh, clubs and stuff, because sometimes I do self-booking, sometimes I go through agents. Some clubs would completely ignore me. Um, mm-hmm. And like, in my opinion, like I feel like they would go with, you know, the between me and like another person, they would choose the white girl over me 100% of the time um which sucks uh getting like a lot of bookings like I feel like a lot of clubs won't book black girls especially as features I'm not exactly sure why like I mean I think I know why but I don't I never like to assume um it's been hard because I I feel like like I've had a lot a really successful year this year I have really great shows and I feel like some of my counterparts are being booked almost every weekend where I am barely getting booked like once a month. So it's, it's kind of a frustrating thing to kind of see because, um, you know, like I've won all these awards and I've like done many things. And you have a lot of talent. Yeah. And uh, it's like, I feel like I'm not being booked for it, you know, and it, it, it kind of it's really disheartening because um, it makes you not want to try hard anymore. Because right. it's like, why am I trying so hard if I'm constantly being overlooked and I feel like I have to work 10 times harder, you know, just to even be seen. So yeah. it, it's it's frustrating, but it doesn't make me give up. Like, I'm definitely going to continue to like, you know, I guess like um, be the best and continue my craft and continue to get better every day. Uh, but yeah, like as a feature, especially being the one of the only black touring features currently, uh, it definitely, yeah, it definitely sucks. (laughs) No, I, that's why I never became a feature dancer because all I saw was blonde hair, blue eyes. And I thought, Oh, that's an impossible thing. (laughs) You know what I mean? Oh, okay. They'll never take somebody like that looks like me. I don't, I don't see anybody out there. Um, so I, so, you know, it's good. Things are changing, but you know, when I've tried explaining this to other people, they're like, no, no, I, uh, uh, people are doing everything. There's still racism in the adult entertainment business and things yeah. need to change. And, and especially at a few clubs I work at, none right now, but like mm-hmm. a few clubs I've worked at in the past, uh, they have black girl caps, like where they. Oh, I know that. I know about all about that. <laughs> yeah. I know all yeah. about it, it's, 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 it's insane. I've never heard of that before until like, you know, I started, you know, traveling more and they're like oh like we, we can't hire you anymore we already reached our cap and I'm like what like a cap like there's only five of us here like <laughs> so it's it's insane but yeah yeah have you been overseas I have not been overseas it's definitely one of my goals for this year mm-hmm. that would be cool um now tell tell me about the the process it is to do these competitions so uh 
there's like different kinds of competitions, but the ones I do a lot are feature competitions. Um, the most prestigious one that is around now is called EDI, which stands for Exotic Dancer Invitational. The Exotic Dancer Magazine, they put on um, two competitions a year, one in the West and one in the East. This year's West competition is in Houston and I'm in that division in the showgirl division. There's like two divisions within each like East and West. What's the difference between the two divisions? So uh, to my knowledge, because I, I feel like the rules changed recently. So there is a starlet division and there's a showgirl division. The starlet division um, is basically if you've been featuring for less than two years or you have less than 20 bookings a year. Uh, I never started featuring, and but I was recommended by a friend to be in that competition this year and I actually won it I won that competition um wow. yeah it, it's like so you put on a I think you have a 15 minute max time uh-huh. and you put on a feature show like um you know all the bells and whistles like you know pull uh you have a cool costume you have a story a theme you know and you try to entertain the crowd as best you can and with that there's judges and those judges uh decide three finalists and then among those three finalists they pick a winner it's the same thing in the showgirl division but the showgirl division the talent pool is much harder like it's much higher caliber uh-huh. and so yeah so it's it oh might, it's, it's like janine jericho yeah. okay yeah because i know she's <laughs> yeah janine's amazing like like she's in showgirl division like I, I don't think she's in the competition this year but last year she was in it and she was insane. Like she had this cool Mario Luigi set. I I was impressed. Yeah, no, she she's probably the most impressive feature dancer I personally know. She and she's she's been on um on the podcast too. So yeah, she's top notch. Yeah. Wow. So what about the costume process? And do you the ever costume- worry about somebody ever having? Oh, they're gonna have my outfit. You know how like pageant days the cattiness or no yeah uh so with uh the competition they when you you everyone submits a theme Uh so you submit a theme early on and last year no one could have the same theme so like if you submit a theme that was too similar to one person one person went depending on who sent it first the person who sent it last will have to pick another theme so no one would have a similar costume to you because Mm, i know a lot of girls buy their costumes from a uh a costume lady I forget her name but she is a really popular costume lady that a lot of features get their costumes from and I know she doesn't repeat costumes um me uh I go through a few uh costume designers in Canada I use the same one as Janine mm-hmm. um she's amazing uh and yeah like she doesn't create the same costume twice so at me personally I've never seen anyone have a clash mm-hmm. on costumes but yeah, like uh, there, it's all the shimmery, like rhinestone gimmicks. Like it's the most beautiful costumes I've ever seen at a competition ever. Wow. Wow. And they're costly too. Oh my gosh. Yes. Like I think I know one girl who spent like 3K on her costume before. And I'm uh-huh. <laughs> but it's worth it because like um, when you see it and when you perform with it, it's like, wow, like she's a professional. Like, you know, this is an amazing, like. Plus when they're to, to help get more bookings. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, go over the process of getting booked like that, like uh, between getting an agent and self booking. So for me, uh, I am currently booked with all agents, but the agent I work with the most is Centerfold. Mm-hmm. So with that agent, um, basically, we're me and me my relationship with this agent we're more friendly I guess than mm-hmm. more professional and um he basically texts me he's like hey are you available on these dates and I'll say yes or no and if I am available on these dates he's like okay he'll send the contract over for a specific club and then I would sign they would sign and then that's kind of how it works like and then um there's definitely a lot of like clauses and stuff within the contract that you have to follow like I always tell girls, like, if whenever they get a booking, like, please read the contract because there's a lot of stuff you got to know. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a pretty simple process. Like, once you, I guess, once you have an agent, um, they kind of send you what they have. And then, like, if you're available those days, then um, you can do it. Now, getting an agent, that's the hardest part, I guess, because, like, agents have a lot of girls they're representing. And not all those girls, especially, like, with the decline of featuring as it being an art, it's harder to book all those girls consistently. So 
what I say for girls is if you're trying to be a feature, what makes you stand out from the crowd? What makes you different from all those other girls that he's representing? Because some of these agents have like 30, 40 girls, 50 girls that they're trying to represent a year. And then you also have to uh, compete with porn stars. I love mm-hmm. porn stars, but porn stars have more wide, like variety, like more range because they reach more people than features. Because mm-hmm. they can and, bring in the numbers and they don't have to worry exactly. about the talent. Yeah, exactly. And um, if you're a feature, like definitely try to bring up your follower account. That's definitely one of my goals mm-hmm. this year. Because like if you can bring in a follower account and you can bring in more people in the club when you have these bookings, clubs are more likely to want you back. Mm. So yeah. And if they see that, then they're going to start booking you more. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So social media now, oh, sorry. <laughs> social media is basically taking like what everything now. It is. Yes. Yeah. Like having a good social media, uh, social media following, having um, mm. really good posts, like um, nice, decent posts, especially like your whole social media, especially like if you're a feature, that's your business. So you mm-hmm. want to keep it very consistent and like all the same and whatnot. Post frequently. That's definitely something. And I not get in on. trouble with Meta. Yes. <laughs> I've I've gotten in trouble a few times. Luckily, I haven't lost my account. But especially these days, like be careful with that because uh, they'll flag you for anything now. Yeah. No, I'm in a, I'm in kind of a, I have a hard time promoting this show. However, it does way better than my other one would meta. I have to be careful because sometimes I'll just have the wrong person on and it'll, I will get flagged by meta. So I know, uh, I know how that goes. It's it's just, it's such a tricky thing for us now in the adult entertainment. Oh, 100%. It used to not be like that. I know, um, some like even if you show like a little bit of like cheek like a regular bikini like they'll fly for it or certain words in your bio certain words (laughs) in your post like they don't like pole yeah like you can't say pole like you can but like you can get flagged for it it's happened to me it's happened Mm -hmm. to a few of my friends um even even um like I had like stripper like they don't like stripper or exotic dancer even the word dancer is like on edge now so it's, it's, <gasps> mm-hmm. oh so it, it's, it's frustrating because it's like, it's, it's kind of hard for us to like, a lot of girls have a lot of following and it's hard for them to promote and like, it, and there's no other app for us, you know, like for us to use and promote like our right. Twitter. Um, do you use, utilize yeah. Twitter? I don't, I don't use Twitter. I've never had a Twitter. I don't know how to use it. <laughs> you know what? Just get on it just to get on it. Um, when your episode comes out, I'll tag you to help you. I have a hundred K on Twitter like that. So we could build up your following there. Sweet. I'll do that. Yeah. Just start opening it now. And by the time this episode comes out, then I'll, you know what I'm saying? And I think Janine has a Twitter. So she's somebody that's similar in your field, but Twitter is kind of where you could have more freedom. Okay. Yeah. But don't post. This is the thing with Twitter. Don't post anything with music in the back. Okay. So you might have to dub it or do like, sometimes I get video leap and I put a voiceover. Okay. Yeah. So just keep that in mind. So you don't get, lose the Twitter, but Twitter's really, really great. Um, Cause that is what's building my, this show for me, because I have a hard time where um I'm currently monetized through meta, like on Facebook and IG, but I have to follow the rules. And I know, um, cause now I'm more online than anything else in my sex work. And I can't advertise that I have an OnlyFans. I can't mention fan page. I can't like guys just have to go and click the link in the bio and and figure it out, you know. And that's just mm-hmm. how my business is now. You know what I'm saying? But I think with every type of aspect of adult entertainment now, we are heavenly dependent. Whatever you do on social media, mm-hmm. you know, it's just yeah the way it is. Um, so do you have any particular favorite clubs that you love to go to? Um, so I house dance a lot at this club called Penthouse in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. It's like my favorite club to work at. Um, it's very nice, very classy, very upscale. Um, New Orleans is a very, um, like has a lot of tourists that come through. So it's constant people in the door, even during the slow season. So, um, but they're very picky. I will say that they don't like tattoos or anything, but like, if you, if there's a girl here who's listening to this podcast and she's like, Oh, I want to try dancing. Like if you have no tattoos and like, you know, you think you have what it takes because they love pole dancers. I say, try it out. It's a really great club. 
Oh, okay. So how is dancing in Louisiana over there? I feel like dancing in Louisiana is definitely um, not uh, as racist as like other cities. Like it's Uh definitely like, cause you know, there's a lot of, there's a large like African-American population there. So like, especially in New Orleans. And so I feel like it's not as hard for a woman of color in general to like get hired on um, Mm -hmm. in anywhere. Yeah, no, no, I I see. I I know what you're saying because I've been in different cities and I noticed a difference and of uh, every city was different, Mm -hmm. you know, that you go to with racism. And I, for a long time, I had to dye my hair like jet blonde just to get into the club. I've done that before. Yeah. Like I've yeah. worn like a more blonde, ash blonde, like kind of hair to kind of like, I guess like, you know, look more. I remember buying the hair. <laughs> it was um, something 27 is the hair color. And then it was 613. That's the platinum blonde. Yeah. I did ext- and and, and tw- what was it? 27? Because I like 27. Is it uh, 27? Yeah, it's that sort of like um it's not so blonde color, I remember. Yeah, it's like almost there but not quite like that yellow platinum 613 color. Yeah, yeah. That that's my favorite though um versus but then I would dye and then I'd get extensions and then I did all kinds of stuff and I, before um there was a point of time where when I discovered lace fronts before Cardi B came around and this was like in 2007 to 2009. And I, um, I found a guy that worked on like Broadway and he taught me, and this was in Vegas. He was in Vegas though at the time. And he taught me how to do lace fronts and then that saved my hair. Yes. Lace fronts are definitely a game changer, especially like when you can put your hair up in like a protective style and just wear like these luscious wigs to work like it's it's awesome yeah and now I like I scold people when I see I feel like that an old lady like you need to leave your hair alone yeah I I don't put any heat on my hair I I did that a lot when I was a baby dancer like when I first started and Mm -hmm. now I I I don't do that I because trying to protect my hair as much as possible (laughs) yeah no no I even told my daughters like just get my daughter say so I want to dye my hair pink get a lace front no get a lace (laughs) get a lace front you're gonna get tired that whole process don't damage your hair get a lace front and especially if you dance because you know you it's just you know you could put on that show for the night and then change it get three or four of them and mix it up with different outfits that's the way to go Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So what else can I ask you? I'm like, oh, now you do the, with that little still, cause I saw the, the still I'm so, I love that scare. Was that like a, just a, a regular event that you were doing? Uh, it was a gig that was in a small city here in Louisiana. Um, they have it every year. It's like a boo and brew, like a beer festival, but like, like kids go around and you know, they have different uh, brewing companies who like. Um, you were appropriate this- dress, I will say in that picture, by the way. Yeah. So people don't think I'm a pervert. Um, it was so cute. So you, these other little gigs that you get, you get on top of, on top of the feature dancing, you find these little like circus gigs. Yeah. So I actually work with, on top outside of feature dancing, I work with three different agencies uh, that book my uh, talent throughout the year. Um some of those are super corporate. Some of those are very like, you know, awesome, you know, like very like top tier gigs that you want the year. And then some of them are very local, like, you know, like a local festival or a local, like, you know, bar wants this or they're trying to put on this. Um, but yeah, like earlier this year, I had a really big gig. I was on international TV. Uh, I was still walking for the 71st Miss Universe pageant. Wow. Um, yeah, I was held in New Orleans this year. So um, I was booked through my uh, booking agent and mm-hmm. I got to perform and be around all like the women from all over the country. And I even got to meet the current reigning uh, Miss Universe. Oh, Miss uh, Ecuador? Uh, have- no, it was, uh, it was Texas. Is she, Miss USA actually won this year. Uh, oh, okay. Ar- yeah, Arbany Gabriel. And she's from oh. Texas. Oh, nice, nice, nice. That's good that you diversify your income by doing other stuff because sometimes, well, we have to do it nowadays, but, you know, 
Mm-hmm. Get that money yeah. any which way. Like that's what I always say. And that's good because you're you're it gives you a break from the club and then it's just a different thing and you're using your skill. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. Um so how many days a week now are you working at the like house dancing? Uh, I typically only work two to three days a week now um, because I just like I like to have like my me time mm-hmm. uh, and I have like, you know, other hobbies, like especially like training, um, you know, training like aerials, training stilt walking, uh, training hula hoops just to keep my body um, in tip top shape for whenever I do have to go do a booking or I have to go out of state to do a gig. So that's what I do for most of the week. And then I only dance two to three nights a week. How many hours are you training? Uh, so I typically train about four to five hours a day um, wow. for about three days a week. Yeah. Four to five hours, a, uh, three days a week. Mm-hmm. Now, do you go to the gym on top of that or that's just good I do. Enough? I do. But um, when I go to the gym, I typically only walk on the uh, what's it called? Like the Tre- treadmill? treadmill. Yeah, I don't. I, I want to get into lifting weights, but I don't even know what to do. Like weightlifting is so scary to me. Like, Right. Well, that's a lot of working out. Yeah. I'm yeah. used to it. Like circus school kind of trains you for that because um, mm-hmm. you're working for like eight to nine hours a day. So like I had to like keep it going. And just Were people training. eating a lot in circus school? Like, oh my God. Yeah. We had a dietitian and we had to eat a certain amount of protein, drink a certain amount of water based on our body weight. Uh, just to make sure that we're like, you know, eating right, drinking mm-hmm. enough water just to keep our bodies in shape. Because in circus school, you're prone to a lot of injuries and they want to prevent that. So so what were they having you eat then? Um... Like not necessarily like they told us what to eat, but like they said, like you had to have a certain amount of like certain things. Like I know for me, like I have to eat about 75 grams of protein a day just mm-hmm. for like all like the um, physical training that I was due. I had this this water bottle I had to drink about four of those water bottles a day um, how big was the water bottle you say it like, was it was about like this big um and like, like, tw- it was, like 12 ounces I don't know maybe like 20 oh four 20 yeah wow I, I sweat a lot um like you know just try to you know keep it you know stay fit drink a lot of water Water helps you, especially like when you're like working out and like trying to stay at a certain weight, like it helps yes. you like, melt all that weight off. So like water is definitely important. Wow. Mm-hmm. When, when you went to this, I'm so so curious about the circus school. I'm getting off the feature dancer subject. At this <laughs> circus school, were there, was there anybody like international or? Uh, I don't think so. Like Russians or something or? Um, I think at my specific school, no. Uh, at least the years I was there, I didn't know anyone who was international, um, mainly because like, I feel like it was harder for an international student to come to our school. There are other circus schools that do have international students, uh-huh. but for mine, uh, not really. It was, I just I think... picture a whole bunch of Russians <laughs> like, for yeah. some reason. You know how they're hardcore, like oh my, my God, Pilates yeah. teacher is Russian and she's hardcore when she teaches um she's really good uh and and she took ballet and all that and and I just uh, I picture that for some reason like these crazy like but it was mostly Americans yeah Americans or like Canadians uh you know like like next country over so no, no international students we did have some students go internationally to other schools like I know there was a girl who uh she went to Quebec Mm-hmm. Um, and I know a girl who went to the United Kingdom. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yep. Wow. They're dedicated to their art. Yeah, 100%. I applaud them. <laughs> I couldn't do that. <laughs> yeah. No, they're, but then again, like there's circus. I don't know. I guess, was anybody training for Circus Soleil in that circus school or? Not to my knowledge. Uh, there's a lot of other um, circus companies that are like, super talented that I know some um graduates that have joined and are currently traveling with um but to my knowledge I don't know anyone I had a teacher in the past who was with Cirque du Soleil but um I don't know anyone who I was training with who currently was trying to train oh okay yeah like you're going against like the best of the best like when you're training to go uh do Cirque du Soleil it's intense now, with the feature dancing, like I said, the, the one person that I know personally is Janine Jericho. That is, you know how she's talented, okay? Mm-hmm. She's like, how many other feature dancers, like, are up in game like the way you are and Janine are? 
uh yeah there's there's quite a few i feel like uh i feel like a lot of recent feature dancers who were like coming into the industry are extremely talented one is specifically her name is autumn knights she uh-huh. is a beautiful extremely talented feature dancer um circus artist as well teacher um and she is super bendy uh does aerials does the circus arts all that um and like contortionist stuff she yeah she can she can contort herself pretty well she's and she can do handstands and and like back walkovers all everything all the nine yards she's insane Wow, I could only move my butt cheeks up and down to <laughs> Jay-Z big pimping. That was my only skill. I love that. <laughs> yeah, like that was my big like thing. And then the majority of, because I always was a house dancer, you know what I'm <laughs> saying? And then a the majority of clubs that I worked at, they didn't have a feature. There was a lot of clubs I worked at that didn't have a feature dancer. Mm-hmm. And I was okay with that because it was about like just getting the lap dance. Right. Um, you know what I'm saying? It's different. There's different clubs throughout all United States and every, every city, every club is so different. But then I remember um, going down to Miami, the famous Tootsies. Yes, Tootsies. Have you performed there or no? I have not. I've, um, I've been to Miami, but like I haven't danced in Miami. Mm-hmm. Uh, I hear that there is a lot of girls who work there at night and I don't know. I just, I feel like that'd be pretty overwhelming, like all night working with like hundreds of girls. Oh, I was that was I was always used to that. That didn't bug yeah. me. <laughs> For some reason it didn't bug me. In fact, the more the merrier, like it was just as long as the customers were coming in, it never and you you know how dancers, we all the we have to learn to get along. Mm-hmm. And it's more of a family connect. So I remember dancing over there and they would have us give us these prizes and these toys or stuff like three or four times. And we would have to sell the toy or a gift because they didn't want to do T-shirts. So the guys, this was the thing. They would give us these toys. This is a long time ago. I worked at Tootsie's. It would be like cups or uh, you name it, whatever. And basically we would sell it to the guy so they would have something to go home to or something like that. And then I remember the feature dancer would come up and they would have various during that period of time. That's when I first discovered like the feature dancing and all that. Oh, no, no, no. Actually in Tampa. And okay. I, I worked at, yeah. Cause that was the first time I ever met Lisa Ann back when she would, this is like 20 over 25, 26 years ago. A uh, long, long time ago. Yeah. I remember. Yeah. And things okay. Like, yeah. So, but and that was like a little hole in the wall club that I worked at one time because of the hours or something I remember but yeah but I was always a house dancer so but I would appreciate I would love watching you guys when you fi- would come on yeah I I would yeah I'd be like oh cool they're coming on and give me a break or it would kind of give the strippers a break was there any like thing that that feature did that you remember specifically that still the only so feature cool? that I really I'll be honest like I always saw like blonde, the same type of girl, except for Lisa Ann. It was always blonde, white, blonde, white girl. Um, nothing really crazy. And then I remember Lisa Ann being the first brunette. That was, I remember when I first saw her and she was put the way she is now. She was like that way, way back then all put together. Um, however, I remember there was a club called Treasure Island in Miami. And they had this lady get ping pong balls and spit it out of her coochie. That was, that's the, yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. And that was, and that, that, yeah, she came in and she must've been like, for some reason, she wasn't like a traveling feature. She was their feature um that would go there I forgot I forgot her name that was yeah the one thing that I remember different but I never really saw I'm trying to think because I would remember like I never saw an act till I seen Janine mm-hmm. like that and I was like wow this is the real this is the stuff that I would read in in Tampa there was the night moves magazine which they have mm-hmm. that festival every year and I remember when um when I first heard of Janine I was like oh this is like old school stuff this is 
this is, and obviously she's not American. She's so because, because mostly American girls that I work with, they were like about just making that money. Uh-huh. You know, nobody, majority of house dancers are, they're not going to really go through the talent. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? They want to make the money. So I, I appreciate it. Um, in my day, I just thought it would something that they would never pick somebody like me. So why bother? Um, but I never saw talent till like recently. And it, it's it's kind of nice seeing it for, in my perspective, because I feel like it's just a dying art. Um, mm-hmm. And it's something exciting me as a woman. Um, I love like burlesque and I love live performances. So I really, I appreciate it more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Have you done any of uh, the exoticas? No, I haven't. Uh, I just found out what exotica was like a few weeks ago. Um, I had a friend who performed at the last two or three. Mm-hmm. And I messaged her. I was like, what is exotica? Like, what is this? And she told me like, it's like a, like a convention for like adult content creators to like meet their fans and like mm-hmm. do all these cool things and perform. And I was like, wow, like I want to do that. So one day, maybe, hopefully, I'll be at, at Exotica, but um, we'll see. Yeah, no, I I, lo- I do like going to Exotica. The last one in Jersey tired me, but I might go to Chicago. Okay. I think it's good for, um, and I've said this over on my podcast, I'm probably giving them more promotion, but it's, it's, it's Exotica is where you get to meet the fans and you get that interaction and it's not so much networking. Mm-hmm. Well, it is, it's net, it's not so, it is networking. I'll take that back with your peers, but you have porn stars, you have content creators, you have cam models, you have the, um, they have the performances with the feature dancers, which is nice. And generally, I think at each one, they go, each exotica, they go to the clubs. Miami's the one that I kind of don't really care for because you know how Miami's crazy down there mm-hmm. <laughs> and so they um I just I'll go I won't get a booth in Miami I'll just visit if, if anything but uh mm-hmm. I think it's really good because so, you do get to meet the fans and I think that's very important nowadays especially with COVID being over with that you've got to go meet your fans and the people that are following you and you know different people in the industry mm-hmm. yeah you. Yeah. So it is, it's good. It's important. Um, I was just worn out the last time like I went and I've got, a, I've got till April to the next one to to go. Cause my whole thing was pushing this podcast, which is, okay. a, which is a lot, a lot of work. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. How long have you been doing this podcast? Um, now it's been over a year and really what I'm trying to do with this podcast is have every form of sex work. Okay. Instead of, you know how you see one podcast and it'll be porn stars or another podcast will be um, a friend of mine. He has one about gentlemen's clubs. And, um, you know, I wanted to do because as a sex worker, I've done different branches and I wanted to showcase different people and different, you know, and not and different, all different varieties of sex workers and all that. Mm -hmm. So. And I'm glad I got you on because I really wanted to do, and it's like, yeah, I got my feature dancers all lined up because I did do a series for like uh, June for Pride Month last year and it went well. And I've been trying to do, and I'm glad it's with, um, because stripping is my, kind of my, my heart is in stripping. Mm -hmm. You you know what I mean? As a sex worker, because I learned so many valuable skills. Have you felt like you've, um, have you felt like, you've learned any valuable skills with just stripping like house dancing? Yeah, 100%. What do you, what do you think that, uh, uh, I think I've learned like not to be, I guess it's a few things like for me, not to be too nice and too lenient, like kind of stand up for myself. Uh, that was one thing. Uh, money management <laughs> is mm. definitely one of those things. Cause when I first started, I was like, wow, amazing. All this money. And they're like, Oh, I need a, you know, be better at this, especially because, you know, tax season and all the other stuff, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And I guess like, um, I guess like embracing like my sexuality and like womanhood and everything that really helped me, you know, break out of my shell as well. What advice do you have for anybody trying to get into feature dancing? Um, I guess my advice would be, uh, I guess, like, go and see some feature dancers if you haven't already. 
And then if you have, like, go and reach out to a future dancer um, and ask questions. Like, because um, I wouldn't say, like, go straight into trying to reach out to an agent because there's a few, there's a lot of processes that you have to do before you can feature, you know, whether or not getting a costume, creating a show. Cre- show creation is a big part of being a feature um, because you have to know how to do it right. Um yeah, I guess like just reach out to a local feature and uh, ask them questions, any questions you have about featuring because um, it's a long list uh, and lots of training. <laughs> lots. Of, where, where where do you practice for your show? Uh, so I have a pretty big empty room in my house um, that I go to and it's basically dedicated to, it's like my creative space. Uh-huh. And uh, if I have an idea or if I'm listening to music and I'm like, oh, this is a great idea. I go in that space and I basically kind of walk it out or like I kind of like you know try to create like a routine or something along the sorts especially like me I use a lot of hula hooping in my show so mm-hmm. I try to like create choreography um with that mm-hmm. um wow that's do you have a pole I do have a pole what type of pole I have an x pole um that's the only pole I trust <laughs> so the x pole what it's a standstill not the spinning it's a spinning. It's both. Uh, I, I can lock it to where it's static and I can unlock it to where it spins. So it's actually really great, especially if I'm training to go to a club that doesn't have a spinning pole uh-huh. or if I'm going to one that does have a spinning pole. Where do you get that uh, pole at? Uh, there's a website called Xpole. Um, it, I, I don't know the exact like dot com or dot org or whatever, uh-huh. but if you type on Google Xpole, the website, the website could uh, pop up, should pop up. Whoa. And I think they're located in Canada, uh-huh. actually. But I think they have a space in the USA as well. And they are like the largest distributor of poles, super safe of poles. Um, and if you install them right, they should never fall. Oh, okay. Now I want to get a pole just talking to you. Yeah. It's, it's I a, it's live in great... New York. I live in New York though, and I don't have that much space. So it's like, uh... oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. So that would be kind of a hard, how do you feel about um, the pole dancing and the, uh, these women that work out and do pole dancing uh like as like a sport or recreational recreational um so all I would say is that so if you do pole recreationally um don't put down uh sex workers who do pole as a job like at the strip club um because I've met a lot of women who do pole recreationally and people are like oh my god you're so good are you a dancer and they'll be super offended they're like ew no gross I would never be a dancer and it's like that's kind of like like not very sex work friendly um so just understand that it comes from the adult industry um and a lot of those moves like kind of like were you know generated by us so just kind of like have I wouldn't necessarily say show respect that's not the word I want to say like I guess like be more open-minded mm-hmm. and like uh, just, you know, understand that, you know, us adult entertainers, you know, open up the world to pull, uh, especially like modern day pull, I would say. Yeah, no, I feel the same way because I remember I took a class and they were kind of judgmental and I thought, yeah. I thought that was so weird. Like, mm-hmm. where do you think this pull came from? You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Right, exactly. Yeah, I always like the spinning ones because I can just grab it and it spins. But I'm also the same person that paid the DJ to stay off. <laughs> <laughs> I've always been a fan of static pole. I just feel like there's more dynamic moves you can do on a static pole. Spinning mm-hmm. is more graceful. I feel like static is more like powerful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, so you have that pole in the middle of that room, your practice room. Yeah. Wow. Gosh, and it's uh, it's a bigger room. So, with, and even with the outfit, sometimes do you put on your outfit and practice that way too? Yeah, like so. Just I can, test. especially if I get a new outfit, I put it on and test it out, see how it would work. Like you know, I would literally map out the whole show in my room, like costume and all, even with hair, I'll wear that day. Yeah. So, oh yeah, yeah. We got test test it out. I know that feeling. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. So how did family feel when you started down? How did, was it a big blow to break it to your family when you were not really? Uh, So for a while, like I didn't tell my family at all, like I was mm-hmm. a dancer and it wasn't that I was like embarrassed about it. It was just that I just didn't want them to know that side of me just yet. Mm-hmm. And um, 
then I told my mom actually first I was like yeah like by the way I'm a dancer she wasn't super happy at first but um she was like she came around like she wasn't judgmental she was like whatever you do with your life I'm gonna support you which was great and then I eventually told my siblings and honestly my siblings kind of knew it was coming which they did. <laughs> yeah I was I was like, okay, great. <laughs> um, and then whenever I started feature dancing, they thought that was weird because they were like, what? Like, your clubs are paying you to go, you know, perform. Oh, they, they were kind of skeptical. Like, what do you mean yeah. they're paying you? Yeah, because they were like, well, are you sure? Like, is this like, because, you know, trafficking. They were just right, like, right, oh, right. okay. Like, yeah, I was like, no, it's fine. And and then once they saw me do it, you know, a few times, a couple times, they were seeing me having a lot of fun, being very dedicated and passionate about it. They were like, okay, you know, and they're, and they're in full support of me now, which I couldn't ask for more. So that's good. That's good. No, there was a comedian that joked around with uh, <laughs> you when your sister's at, I guess, what did she say? There's a comedian she joked around with, oh, my sister was in there and we made sure she was they showed up at the strip club and, and embarrassed her or something where we oh made gosh. sure she some joke it's funny where she said yeah we made sure you better be making money or something they <laughs> yeah they they embarrassed her like or something but I don't I forgot the, the way the joke went but it was something about like they sh- well you better be making money if you're stripping then like <laughs> thanks <laughs> Yeah, but I could see where they're kind of skeptical because it's like, what? They're paying you what? And how much to show up to do what? Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I like, you know, I had a lot of friends who I trust who've been doing this process a lot longer, who I like lean on and ask for advice. And yeah, like I fully trust them. Process seemed legit. Um, and yeah, like it's been going on for a while now. So, I mean. <laughs> mm-hmm. So what would you like to see for the future for your career? Me personally, I would like to see more inclusivity of different women of color, different women of all backgrounds uh, being features. Because me personally, like, I feel like there is beauty in every color, beauty in every, you know, face, you know, size, whatever. Um, I know that the world is changing and more things are starting to be more inclusive. But I would Mm -hmm. definitely love to see that in clubs as well. And not just feature dancing, but dancing in general, like being in sex work in general um yeah. more inclusivity so yeah no I, I would like to see that too as well mm-hmm. and we've got to work like everybody has to kind of work together to get that done and make sure 100 percent. yeah well thank you miss galaxy thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story and letting me question you about the uh circus school i was like <gasps> so amazed by that uh could you tell my audience all your social medias and where they can find you. Yes. So um, I have an Instagram and that Instagram is at it's galaxy official. Um, and then I also have a Facebook that is galaxy me galaxy with an I and then M I. And then I guess I'm going to work on a Twitter. So. Yes. <laughs> yes. We're she's, we're going to get her on Twitter and we're going to help her. You don't have an OnlyFans or anything like that. I don't. I, I've never done that. Oh, okay. <laughs> One day, maybe. <laughs> yeah, one day. Let's do the Twitter first. So, okay. Well, thank you for uh, coming on. My name is Marcella Alonso. If you like to see this episode, go to marcellasobella.com and subscribe to my Patreon. Um, you can also follow me on IG, Facebook, and YouTube at Marcella Sobella. My Twitter is Marcella with one L underscore L U V. Thank you so much for coming on Get Schooled.